Hello and welcome to today's Living Life. One thing I really love when it comes to our Bible and comes to Scripture is the amazing message it tells us about our human identity, who we are, uh, who God has created us to be, and the immense dignity we have as individuals. Uh, as we live in this world, sometimes we find ourselves separated into different uh, social castes, social dynamics. Uh, for example, when I was in high school, we had a very kind of athletic, cool group. We had the nerdy group, and we had all these different uh, groupings. And, you know, that was just in school, but sometimes that also carries over into the world. Are you a middle class in terms of your financial ability? Are you upper class? Are you lower class? And each of those seems to affect how we're perceived by the world around us, by society. In Korea, one of the stigmas is, what kind of car do you drive? Is it a very nice car or is it a somewhat lesser expensive or lesser known brand car? So there's all these different social stigmas, but when it comes to the Word of God, we see that God paints a very different picture of who we are, how God has shaped us, and how God creates us with immense dignity. So as we look into today's passage, let's reflect again on who we are, not based on how the world defines us, but who we are in Christ. Let's go into today's living life. Galatians chapter 3, verses 19 through 29. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Welcome back to Living Life. When we look in this passage, we see another interesting interplay at works, and it's the element of the law and element of faith. How are these two interconnected? And if we look in today's passage, it begins by giving a very positive affirmation of what the law is, that the law of God reflects God's character, God's heart for His people. In other words, uh, if we look in the previous section in Galatians, there was this idea that if we could perfectly follow the law, 
we would have a right relationship with God. The problem is because we do not perfectly follow the law, we are as a result cursed uh, cursed on the law because we do not obey the stipulations in the law. At the same time though, scripture reaffirms constantly that the law itself is not what is bad, but it is our inability to follow the law. So in short, the law for Christians and for the old people, it was to serve as a form of tutor pointing us to Jesus who would ultimately fulfill all the regulations, all the stipulations of the law on our behalf. So for us, if we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, we put our faith and trust in the one who has paid for the curse of the law and instead dissolves that curse and instead gives us life. So the law was given, uh, it was given especially to the ancient people for their benefit so that they would know God's heart, that they would know uh, how to live a life that honors and pleases God. And another element that the Apostle Paul talks about is the law was given to limit or restrict sometimes transgression. In other words, it would limit how far people go in misunderstanding the nature of the world and God. If there was no law, we would not know how much evil we are doing. If there was no law from given by God, we would not know God's heart and God's character. If we think about even just the Ten Commandments, what's ultimately reflected in those Ten Commandments is how to live a life appropriately in this world that God has created how we can live a life that's full of blessing and a life full of benefit. The Ten Commandments are not written for us to experience uh, a poorer life, but instead it's created and given to us so that we might live life more abundantly, more richly, more blessedly. So why was the law given? For your benefit, for my benefit, for the people of God's benefit. But at the same time, today's passage it talks about the law as kind of a prison. It says things like, uh, Scripture locked up everything under sin. We were held in custody under the law, or we were locked up until the coming faith. So it's this weird prison metaphors, but ultimately right after that, it says this expression. It says, the law was our guardian. If you have a guardian, a guardian is someone who represents your best interests until you are old enough in the legal system to make your own decisions. And part of it, a big chunk of it is so that we don't make wrong decisions in our youthfulness, in our misunderstanding. As we grow, we become wiser. As we grow, we become more understanding of how this world functions. Similarly, I think the law, as Paul expressed it, is given to us so that we might, until the level of maturity, until the right timing, until the coming of faith, we would have a protector who would guide us, protect us, lead us, so that we would not live in a state of constant anarchy, but instead live understanding God's heart, God's hope and God's purpose for this world. And it says, the guardian was until faith, and faith is the person of Jesus and what he has done on the cross. Today's passage concludes with this very interesting three-part distinction. It says that there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave nor free, and there is, there is no male or female. And the first two, it makes sense. But when we come to the last one, it's like there's no gender differences. And if you read carefully, there's a different expression used between the first two couplings, the first two, and the last one. 
The first two have the same expression. It says neither and nor. But the last one, it says no male or female. What's going on here? Scripture is not saying that there is no gender difference between male and female. Instead, Scripture is talking about a removal of disunity, a removal of brokenness, a removal of uh, distinctions that separate people and put people into different social castes or financial castes. The first distinction is removal of Jew versus Gentile. In other words, removal of, am I the, person, am I the people of God and you are not? Instead, it's, it's a removal of us versus them, but instead we are one people. The second one is a removal of social caste or financial caste, slave or free. In other words, it's a removal of human, uh, the place sometimes we put people in negative places, in lower locations than us. We view people as less than us. But scripture removes that barrier and says we are one in Christ, we are God's people together. And the last distinction of male or female is not, a sep is not a breaking down of the gender differences, but instead it's a reflection that though different, they represent a harmonious relationship in God, that both male and female are uniquely and equally loved by God. It's not males are better or females are better, but instead that they are together unified in who God has created them to be. In the Bible and in today's passage, we see the culmination ultimately coming from our walk with God is we experience a unique human dignity because God has created us to be His people who are loved, who are not broken by different social distinctions, but are equally loved by Him. Let's reflect on that reality a little bit now as we go into time of reflection. There is an ancient Jewish expression that goes like this. Blessed are you, O Lord, King of the universe, for not making me a Gentile, for not making me a slave, and not making me a woman. Similarly, there is an ancient Greek expression that says, uh, that he gives thanks that is not, he is born a human being and not a beast, and next, a man and not a woman, and thirdly, a Greek and not a barbarian. If we look at both of them, there's a, a pressing down of one type of person. It's an overemphasis on their own people and a rejection of all the other people. But in it, they miss the heart of God. They don't know the heart of God. The heart of God is not that men would be superior, women would be superior. It's not that Jews would be superior and Gentiles are inferior. It would not be so that Greeks are superior and barbarians are not, but that people would realize that they are created by the same God who created people equally, who loves them equally. God is very much interested in a restoration of human dignity. So today, if that is something that you are struggling with, how you perceive yourself. I pray that as you come to today's scripture and as you come into the time of prayer right now, that you would remember that God created you. He loves you. You are beautifully, wonderfully, and fearfully made. And God knows you by name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word teaches us 
not just about the cross, but also how we are to live in this life. I pray that you would help us to live with dignity, knowing that we are your people, we are your children, we are created by you, and we are fearfully, wonderfully, beautifully made, Lord. We thank you for your word. Help us to walk boldly and confidently today and help us once again to stand as restored people in Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. For a single soul Lichina Carl and Stepping in Prosa Sing